Calling all units, calling all units. Donut Shop has a fresh dozen. Go ahead and take a 1040. All right, all right. we're back. Yeah. Hey, welcome back. What's going on? We'd like to start with a toast, sir. Boom. Thank you. Cheers. Boom. Salute in our mugs. Welcome back, everybody, to the Donut Chop Podcast. Those of you listening in your car, in your ears, watching on YouTube, what's going on? It's me, Nick, from Nick Off Duty. Got my boy. And Justin from Davey. And a very, very, very special guest. Uh, I've known him for years, years, and years. But I'll let him introduce himself. Sir, you want to go ahead and give your credentials? Uh, yeah, I'm Delrish Moss, uh, currently a captain with FIU. Uh-huh. Been around a while. Been around a while. Been around a while. Yeah. Uh, was a major with the city. And yep. Also, Chief in Ferguson. That's right. So, proper etiquette. If you're, you know, if you're in the know, I'm going to be addressing you as Chief. That's fine. That's because fine. once you're Chief, that's it. Hey, people have called me a lot worse. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you've been around. You said, yeah. When? What year did you start? Because this was interesting. We were talking about it yeah. before we started. Yeah, I, I don't want to date myself, yeah. but uh, I started in 1984 with the city. Yeah. Brand new guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I looked at some of the pictures recently. I looked twelve, yeah. um, but it was it was a it was a good start to a good career. Yeah. So nineteen eighty four. Uh, not to put my <laughs> age out there or anything, but I was two. Our our age. Uh, you were two. Yeah, yeah. We were, we're two. Both two. We were well, two. I, I like to tell people I'm the Doogie Hauser of policing. So yes, I, right. I was young too. Very very yes, young. Yeah, very you very start, young. Really, they gave you a badge as an explorer. Yeah yeah. 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 There was no eighteen years old minimum. Yeah. It was way younger. Yeah. Than way younger. Yeah. 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 <laughs> They didn't have an explorer program. You just became a cop. There you yeah. go. There you Put go. you in a car and go, <laughs> go get him, kid. That's a smart kid. Ni- 1984, mm-hmm. different time in policing, especially yeah. you know moving forward to nowadays. What was your drive? What was that? What was that? Uh, 19? What were you doing before? Because you were like 14, 15. You said. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, believe it or not. Before I started with the city, yeah. I, I worked three jobs. I was a party clown, mm-hmm. believe it or not, on the weekends. Yeah. Uh, I also worked for a place called Plaza de la Carnival uh-huh. over at the Omni, and, and I worked for McDonald's. Uh-huh. Um, did, did all those jobs. I guess I did them pretty well, but yeah. uh, the city also paid in the one job more than all three of those, yes. those jobs put together. So yeah. it, it was an easy transition. And you know... The story, how we met, or how you came into my life. You might not remember me, but I remember what your story and how, what you said. And I guess now you're saying the city paid more. And this has, I can tie it in. I was sitting. I just graduated the academy. I'm sitting in. So after you graduate the academy, you sit in like uh, there's like a transition phase. Yeah, post-orientation. Yeah, post-orientation. You get to familiarize yourself with the agency. Um, so people come in from different units. And you graced us with your presence uh, one day. You were in PIO. Uh, but you said that there was a point in your career where you wanted, where you thought about maybe quitting because it was tough in the academy. I think it was an academy or something. But you had your check, yeah, in your pocket. <laughs> Am I right? Yeah. And then you told us the hourly rate and everything. But yeah. you, you want to yeah. go ahead. Well, you know, it, it's funny because um, uh, at that time the city was paying a whopping salary of twenty five thousand dollars a year, wow. which was more than just about every other police agency in South Florida. Mm-hmm. And you got to think, when you put it into perspective, uh, a postal worker at that time paid 19000 yeah. A school teacher paid 17000 The state attorney's office paid 21000 And they got law, uh, yeah. debt, law school debt. Yeah. The, the, the public defender's office paid $1,000 a year more than them. And here I am making $25,000 a year. So I was, you know... As I like to say, pissing in high cotton. High yeah. cotton. Um, yeah. It was uh, it, it was good, and so that was always a motivator for me. Yeah. 
when you got down, when you got depressed, you remember uh, why you're there and what the benefit is. Yeah. You said, uh, I believe you told us that you had a pay stub. You kept it in your yeah. pocket. When we used to cash checks back then. Yeah. So that, that was a thing. That was a thing. <laughs> so you would, you, would, uh, you would glance down at it, you know, bring it out and say, oh, yeah, you know what I mean? I'm doing something. And then you smile. Yeah. No matter how much they're yelling in your face, no matter how much they're making you run around and do push-ups and all that other stuff, yeah. it was worth it in the end. And that was what I heard. That was what I heard. <laughs> I forgot about that. No, nah, nah. <laughs> that was what I heard. You know, and that's something that you know. And you were very approachable. I remember, yeah. uh, even as you moved up through the ranks, never changed. Some people do. Yeah. When they when they when they get that little bit of authority, or they they move up through the ranks, a little bit different. Yeah. You you seem to be the same guy from the beginning, until now sitting here where you're like, yeah, I'll go on. What do you need? What do you want? <laughs> well, you know, I, I think people all. I don't think they change. Yeah. I think what happens is you start to see more of who they are. Uh, you know, it's when, when people are comfortable. If the guy is uh, a real jerk to every person he comes into contact with on the street, he's probably going to be that way as a sergeant. Uh. And, you know, it, it's always that whole talking up kind of thing. Yeah. You know, the higher I got in, in, in terms of rank, the more funny my jokes became, uh, the better, you know, people you know, per- perceived me. But it yeah. wasn't because I changed. It was because their perspective of me changed. Yeah. So it, it, it's more revealing than it is changing. Yeah. I think you, you stayed status quo, though. Yeah. Same guy looking down. You're probably in the chief's office looking down your in your pocket <laughs> and say, oh, yeah, I remember. No, I'm just well, kidding. Now you got to go electronic. Oh, that's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. you got to go to a website and figure that out. That's right. So you had a, you had a, a, a great career, at, yeah. at, I would say, uh, in Miami Police Department. Uh, retired um, as a chief. I'm sorry, as a major, mm-hmm. right, um, to move on to go to a chief. But let's talk about real quick that, that career. You know, start to finish. Yeah. Uh, what you what you had a long because people know you as PIO. Yeah. But you're also you also did other other yeah, avenues. I, I spent most of outside of PIO. I spent most of my time in homicide. That's correct. As a homicide detective and worked with some great guys. Yeah. Uh, you know, at that time, Mike Gonzalez, who yeah. was a staple, had been in homicide since 1951. Wow. Uh, did some 48, 50 years on the police department. So I got to learn from some really smart guys awesome. uh, who who had done it all. Yeah. And then you went over, and then you got into PIO, and then that was, yeah. What, P- what, what came out was it the entertaining the? Well, no, PIO was a fluke. I was in a, uh, you know, when they started doing cultural diversity. Yes. Uh, I was in a class, and someone made the comment that they had lowered the standards for black people, and what are you talking about? Yeah. So you don't even know the history of the police department. So I talked about, uh, in the class, I stood up and I talked about the first five starting on September, uh, September 1st of 1944 yeah. and how they were the only ones who were actually trained at that time. And I talked about uh, some of the impediments uh, with regard to race in the department and how you had to sue to even get parity. And I went through that whole thing. Well, what I didn't know uh, as I'm making this argument is one of the people sitting in the back was going to be the next chief of police. Oh. And so when he became chief, I got summoned to the chief's office and asked, did you ever think about becoming a spokesman for the department? Like, me? Yeah. No? Yeah. Well, you should think about it. And also Bill Schwartz uh, approached me and said, no, no, I really want you because I'm taking over that office. I want you there. And I thought about it, and, you know, we were a little persistent. And so I said, you know what, I'll make the switch. And I made the switch not knowing what to expect. And (laughs) Mm -hmm. it was almost like, you know, fasten your seatbelt because it was like a turbocharged move for for the career and just the things that you're involved in. Yeah. You know, well, you know, working in PIO, you're – 
you see at least a glimpse of all of the department yes. rather than you know just from this perspective, that perspective, and so forth. And you're making decisions uh, even at that level uh, because you're f- marrying this to what the opinion's going to be, what the f- what the feedback's going to be, that kind of thing. So you, you realize it's, it's a lot much, it's much more of a powerful position than you realize without being powerful. Yeah. Mm. Without, you're the voice of yeah. the department. You're, you're the, the voice and the face. Yeah, and the face. Yeah. Um, and you help to mold the image exactly. the, to the public. Yeah, when, exactly. when uh, you know, it's the chief and you. You're yeah. that person. Yeah. yeah. And sometimes yeah. it's you, the chief's like, no, you're doing a good job. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. Unless it's something that meets that threshold or like I have to go on and speak, but yeah, 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 and you know you're you're a voice of the department. Yep. Um, but you're also kind of a voice of the community as well because mm-hmm. they start to have uh, expectations of you. And one of the people I worked with in PIO, w- I learned so much from Angel Calzadilla. Oh yes. Uh, you know, Angel and I not only uh, worked together, we became like brothers. Yeah. Yeah. So, do you think because now you know it's the whole the you know media and everything, how is it now as a PIO? Because back, back, I mean, there, with police work and the media, there seems to be a thing. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you watch the media now and be like, man, I wonder if they're, they're purposely spinning it a certain way. Or is it, you know, and, and I know you have a lot of media friends and yeah. I'm not trying to put you no, like, no, in no, any no. kind of spotlight. But I'm just saying that if I look at it and I say, man, there's, there's some kind of truth to both sides. But one is leaving out the entire story. Yeah. No? Yeah. No, so... I think one of the things that happens with media is we give them too much credit for knowing everything. Yeah. And because we give them that credit for knowing everything, we expect, uh, you know, we expect a whole lot from them. Yeah. And you got to think, you just educated this guy. Now he's got to turn it around in a minute and 30 second package. Okay. And so when we say we're misquoted, we often overeducate. Yeah. So you got to break things down to sound bites mm-hmm. uh, and, and make it more precise so it can't uh, be twisted. But you know, the media has changed a great deal yeah. uh, because when I started, we had two newspapers of note in the city. Uh, we had the Miami Herald and the Miami News. Uh, the Sun Sentinel came along a short time later. Uh, we had local television, which is where people consume most of, you know, got most of their information. Right. So it was, it, it, was, it was vastly different, but you had, because you had two newspapers, you had a check on the other. Uh-huh. It wasn't this move to get it fast. Yeah. It was much more of a move to get it first. Okay. And so... I mean, get it, get Correct. it right. Yeah. Um, so that was uh, that made a difference, and now you got a lot younger reporters who are looking for that next big moment, and yeah. they're under pressure to get this stuff out right away uh, because they got to beat social media, they got to beat the news media, they got you know other outlets and all this other stuff. So they get it wrong a lot more because they don't have time to fact check and recheck and double check. Rushed. You, yeah. You know, you hit the nail on the head, mm-hmm. and I was like. And I didn't, I didn't think of that. But social media is, yeah, is where a lot of the stuff is breaking. So they're just like, well, it's already out. Let's just run it. Yeah. And maybe they're and like, oh, but if we do the correct, you know, check all the boxes, yeah, it'll be tomorrow. And tomorrow is like a year in like nowadays. And mm-hmm. then you got to look at you got to look at some of the stories that became major stories that social media actually broke. Yeah. The Trayvon Martin case, yeah, uh, happened three days before it took off, but it took off. Uh, on social media. Yeah. Interesting fact about Trayvon Martin, his grandfather, Ted Evans, was a retired city of Miami economic crimes detective. Oh, yeah. um, so his family kind of grew up in the Miami Police Department. Yeah. Uh, but you look at the, uh, what, what's the other case? The Michael Brown case in, in Ferguson. Mm-hmm. Social media actually got that to hit 
the eyes of the world. Yeah. And so I think even with the George Floyd, the even with the George recent, Floyd case, it was on. I remember yeah. it popping up and I don't like to look. I hate to look at when things are going wrong and I'm just like, uh, and I kind of watched a little bit of it. That sucks. Yeah. But then I remember like a couple of days later, it was like blowing up yeah. everywhere, all over the news. All over the world. Yeah. All over the world. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And uh, I, I guess, you know, I have to take into account that social media is playing a huge role. When it comes yeah, you, to you watch you watch the news right now and I don't know my numbers are going to be off but maybe 60% of the video feeds that you see when they're narrating the incidents yeah. incidences are angles from citizens yes from yeah. cell phones yeah. vertical videos and stuff that kind of stuff are, are all on it so what they're doing is they're really catching up to try and give you the backstory of what you're seeing on social media and and it goes back to what you're saying where sometimes those facts might be misconstrued or they yeah. just can't get because we know as PIOs what we're trying to give out yeah. it, we have to give out the 100% facts as we know it at this time yeah. when they can just talk to the neighbor you know wearing a mask <laughs> over their face that's going to say what they saw, but they're not describing because yeah. they didn't see it all. Yeah. So yeah. that's where we can all get mad. And then the unfortunate thing is that sometimes they can get mis- mis- misconstrued. Yeah. And then we as PIOs really have to come out there and repaint the picture and also try not to look like the yeah. bad guy that's saying, no, no, this person was lying. They're not lying. They just didn't see it all. Yeah. And we did an investigation. And then you, you, then know? you, then you have those people who they rush to the news i'll never forget when kim morris was a reporter here i would call her <laughs> and and say why did you put that guy on and she's yeah. like look it was crunch time and he's the only one who would talk to me uh-huh. but oftentimes those people had it vastly had it very wrong yeah uh, because they didn't see anything they just wanted to be on television yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it, it reminds me of like the movie monsters inc when just people are just talking about stuff their yeah, cartoon exactly. characters but yeah, yeah i mean and that that is a scary thing when when they have to do that, and that's the the good thing about being a PIO is building those relationships and the camaraderie with the reporters or with the the news desk folks, so that you can actually call them, yeah. and then they can trust you and believe you and stuff. Yeah. yeah, in fact, social media played so huge a role that I, a couple of years before we started the social media unit, I went to the then chief of police and said, "Look." 95% of people under 35 don't look at traditional media right, anymore. Yeah. Yep. So we need to start a social media unit. I had no concept of how that was going to work or what it was going to be, but we, I knew we had, to, we had to do it. And he said to me, that's ridiculous. Uh, and it was not because he wasn't smart or had foresight. It was just it was a little long, long in the tooth, and it wasn't his reality. So yeah. it was kind of hard for him to understand. And then a couple of years later, uh, you know, we, we started a social media unit. Yeah. Look at that. <laughs> and what, uh, you know, that's the horse's mouth now. Yeah. We're breaking the news. Chief gives a statement. The news might uh, chop up some bits and pieces. However, you can find the whole statement on the yeah. platforms. Yeah. And having a social media unit for an agency, I think, is, is huge. Yeah. You can't, I don't know how you can operate uh, an agency now without having one. Yeah. Through crisis management and uh, recruitment. Yeah. People have a budget of recruitment, and you can you can absorb that budget. You don't even need it. Yeah. With, if you have a good, strong social media following, you say, "Hey, by the way, we're hiring." Share, 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 share. Yep. So yeah, uh, real good success on social media. Boca with their Boca Viper uh, mm-hmm. hashtag many years ago. 
uh, you talk about the Boston Marathon. Yeah. It, was, mm-hmm. it, was, it was through social media that they yep. were able to get information out and receive information. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it, it, it's, uh, it, if you know how to wield it correctly, yes. uh, you, can, you can do wonders. Yes, absolutely. Uh, I remember uh, I went to, and you guys were talking about a presentation that you saw, uh, Chief uh, Delrish, uh, Del, Chief Del. Del. Uh, uh, I went to a a conference where the Boston, the person who handled Boston bombing Mm -hmm. through social media, uh, he gave a presentation on that and uh, how he was just communicating through Twitter. And then there was a time where I believe the news helicopters were showing the SWAT team or somebody advancing on a house. And they tweeted at them, hey, by the way, you're putting our officers in In jeopardy at this point. So... I know it's a, it's a double-edged sword with them because they're trying to get the story. At the same time, they've got to be considerate to what we're doing, but it's the story. So. Well, yeah, the thing to remember is they're not your PR people. They yeah. are the news media. They have a job to do. Yeah. In, in fact, you know, while we talk about it, I talk about when I teach the PIO class, I talk about how important the media is. Mm-hmm. When you look at the Constitution, the media is mentioned in the, in, in the First yeah. Amendment. Yeah. Yeah. They don't mention us until the 4th. And even then, it's telling us what we can't do yeah, yeah. rather than what we can. Uh-huh. So you you got to think the founding of this country was built on on relying on media to get the information out so that we didn't have tyranny. Yeah, that's exactly the reason why. Yeah. Otherwise, you know, it's no. What I said is what it is. Exactly. Uh, where you're balancing checks. Yeah. Are we, we, we ready? Yeah. All right. So we're going to take our first break. We take breaks here. Awesome. Even the conversation is phenomenal. We take breaks. <laughs> Good, so good, good. we'll freshen up a little bit. Okay. We'll good, get our good, makeup, good. makeup. <laughs> we'll right. be right back. We'll be right back. Hey, guys. Are you hungry? If you are, head over to Big Slick's Deli, home of the famous Rugama Cookies. Big Slick's Deli is located at 15455 West Dixie Highway in North Miami Beach. If you want delivery, they use Uber Eats and Grubhub. And officers, they've got you taken care of. And we're back. We're back. <laughs> yeah. So far, so good? Yeah, yeah. And now that I'm fresh, you know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, extensive police career, mm-hmm. uh, uh, fulfilling police career, ended as a major, right? Yeah. Uh, at, at there, you did homicide, PIO, well-known at PIO, and then you became the major over that entire mm-hmm. unit, including uh, community, community relations. Community relations yeah. with PAL and all that stuff. Yeah. Heavily involved in PAL, right? Yeah. 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 As a matter of fact, um, the the PAL unit was actually, you know, the entire career was rewarding, but PAL was actually, you got such good feedback, direct feedback from families who were impacted by the work you do. And in the city's PAL, is probably yeah I'm a little partial, but it's it's got to be the best pal out right. there because they do not only do homework assistance, yeah. uh, we had a robotics program, mm-hmm. a dance, uh, all of the sports, yeah. but we also had parenting classes and and and, and a host of other things. So yes. it, it, it's 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 not just picking up a football or just picking up a basketball in the afternoon. It's all it's it's a well-rounded program. So that a pal is an acronym for police athletically. Police you athletically. Have some- yeah. Non-law enforcement that are aspiring to be police officers. Yes. Police Athletic League. Yes. So, great program. Um, and does it does, like you say, it connects us to the community on another level that we can't get when we're actually responding to calls and stuff. So, you're the major. That's what you were actually our major. When, we, when mm-hmm. the unit was incepted and we were there, you're, we reported to you. Yeah. You were major. And then uh, shortly after that, 
you uh, there were some incidents that that went on across the nation, and it was serious, big critical incidents, right? The Mike Brown, Mike Brown, uh, Ferguson happens, mm-hmm. and we're watching it. We're watching it live. Um, and something that I always said, and maybe and you've been around um, police work longer than I have, and maybe it's nowadays, but I think South Florida, at least in the last. I've been almost now 15, coming on 15 years. Uh, 15 years is almost like a bubble compared to the rest of the nation. Yeah. Uh, because I don't see, like, color. I see my my best friend and, you know, my, my boy Bo, that I was his best man at his wedding, Joe, who teaches DT. And I don't see that color because I guess it's a mishmash mm-hmm. of uh, ethnic groups. You have people from all different walks of life in South Florida. However, I traveled out a little bit recently and I've, I've visited some areas where it's very black white you yeah. know and if you're spanish you need to figure out you know you're, you're there's a different you know you're mexican almost <laughs> i'm sorry it's, it's 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 hard to say because you know puerto rican i'm a half puerto rican so um you just get they don't so i don't know if south florida is different maybe you could touch a little bit on that because you've been around the nation around the world yeah so south florida south florida so you go back to when I started. Yeah, and that's a different time. You know, South Florida had is the only city that had three major riots in a decade uh, because of race. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was long said that South, South Florida was not a, a melting pot. It was a salad bowl. Everything's in there, but it doesn't quite mix. <laughs> that's uh, good. And so South Florida's had its growing pains. But what mm-hmm. put South Florida far ahead of the rest of the nation is that we went through those growing pains in the 80s when no one else was really uh, going through that. L.A. didn't have their incident until 90, yeah. 90 or 92, somewhere yeah. around yeah. there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what was happening in South Florida with the, the ethnic changes, uh, uh, Haitians coming into, uh, into the country, uh, Cubans from the Mario Boat Lift, mm-hmm. lift and a, ho- a host of those things, we were going through growing pains so much earlier, and we started to look at prescriptions uh, to deal with that. That's kind of how community relations got started. Mm-hmm. Uh, putting that together, having those community involvement specialists actually work with communities. So yeah. w- we were first yeah. to the game. So by the time things started happening much later, a lot of things that came out of here, they realized were prescriptions for what the rest of the country can do. And that's kind of how I ended up in Ferguson. I was one of the of, of the 58 people who applied and competed for the job. I was the only one who, one, lived where riots took place, then worked while riots were taking place, oh, saw yeah. those growing pains, and even ha- dealt with consent decrees that we had uh, in the city, which Ferguson was now now under. So I was uniquely qualified because of my life experiences here in Miami. So did you see that happening and right away, like, I need to, I need to get over there? Or did you have, like, a thought process, like... So... The first thing that happened, I was sitting in a, in a chief's meeting, and, and, and to describe the chief's meeting, what happens is the chief has a meeting with his assistant chiefs, and there's a select few majors who answer directly to the chief. You're in that meeting. Uh, the city, the uh, police attorney uh, is there, and one of the majors kind of mentioned through the police executive research forum that Ferguson's looking for a chief. <laughs> Who'd want that job, right? Yeah. Kind of planted a seed. Yeah. Strangely enough, um, and it's kind of a reluctant thing because I thought about it, didn't think about it, thought about it. And I was due to retire in September, and we're talking about this was around October of the year before. Right. And 
I was sitting in my office one night, and I had gotten a host of calls from people saying, we think your resume is just what they need. And I'm getting calls from around the country. Uh, Chuck Wexler, the police, the uh, executive of the Police Executive Research Forum, uh, a good friend of John Timoney, uh, quite a few people. And so one night I'm sitting in the office, and it's still kind of there in the back of my head. And I'm thinking about the experiences in Miami and what's happening there. And I went to the computer, and I sat down, and I said, well, I'll, ne- I'll never get this job. But I applied uh, because it just wouldn't go away. Yeah. And I applied, and it started with a 26-page questionnaire, all, an- all essay answers. Uh, that narrowed it down from 58 to 16. Uh, and then I was in Texas for a concert. Yeah, I go to Texas for a concert. <laughs> I was in Texas for a concert, awesome. and uh, I got a call. Uh, you've been granted an interview. What I didn't know was it was 13 interviews. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was It was three a day. Uh, no, oh, sorry, four a day for three days. And then if you – it's kind of lightning round. Yeah. Because what happens is at the end of the day, you get a phone call at the hotel, and you're invited back the next day. Okay. And wow, as we progressed – Got it. The 13th interview was the one-on-one you got with the city manager, and only four of us uh, got, you know, got to that, that level. Right. And it was uh, – you were on the stage. Lights, <laughs> yeah. cameras, action, <laughs> and this is it. It's game time now. Yeah, yeah. So you think, obviously, the stuff that you went through early in your career in, in the mm-hmm. riots and everything – you kind of already had a general idea of how you wanted to, uh, to, yeah. or were you more like, let me assess what's going on because demographics, yeah, and like the way that the the, the, the city was set up, it's, and I, I guess we spoke on break, mm. went to a conference, and it's small, yeah, it's very small, yeah, different, you know, um, you had to maybe, and and again, I'm gonna let you speak on this, yeah. prep and send up the question. Mm-hmm. But work with those other agencies that are around. Mm-hmm. Okay, so just take me through how you. What, what was your thought process? So, so knowing what I wanted to do was kind of, kind of an advantage or the culmination of a lifetime of experiences. Right. I knew what happened in the city, but I've also gotten the opportunity to travel around the country. So I've been to the Midwest, I've been to the Northeast, I've been to uh, the South, I've been all over the country and some other uh, countries, and I make observations. And one of the things that I realized there was Ferguson was uh, Ferguson was the very description of a 1970s police department and you know what was proof of that was that all of my command staff had been on 43 years or better uh, when I arrived Uh, so uh, you know this young young upstart coming in but it was not just what I learned in police work although it was that it was it really had a lot to do with what I've seen from a life experience perspective. And so that kind of gave me an idea of if I was building a police department, uh, one, um, what would I do? Uh, But secondly, if I was changing a police department, because I knew I'd be going into an environment of resistance, not resistance because it was necessarily negative, resistance because, you know, two things policemen hate, change and things remaining the same. Um, <laughs> you know, yeah, it, it was, it was it, don't know what's good for us. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, it, it was kind of that. So um, I knew it was going to be a heavy lift. I knew it was going to be a hard job, but I never thought for a minute I wasn't going to be capable of putting together a team to get it done. So what was uh, 
What was uh, plan A? You know, plan A was... Or like the first step in the so plan. Plan A was the introduction. Yeah. You know, I always think that, you, you know, you only, get, uh, you only get one chance to make a good first impression. And so rather than the community meetings and all of those things, I went door to door. I knocked on every door in Ferguson and introduced myself as a police chief. It's, you know, you can do that in Ferguson. You can't do that in Miami. Yeah. Uh, but, but that idea was born out of the staff walks that we did in Miami where we yeah. walked with the command staff of that particular area and we provided services and a host of other things. I just modified the idea and we did the walk. Mm-hmm. And uh, th- that paid off dividends because you actually got to know people sitting down in their living rooms and they didn't call you in times of crisis, which is usually when we run into people. Right. Yeah. Uh, so I knew that was going to be the first step. The first step was building a relationship with the community because, you know what, I always say it. We police at the pleasure of the people. And even the union, years ago with, with, with one of the unions, we were having an issue in Miami with regard to salary increases. And said, you know what, you can get salary increases. One, not by telling, the salary, you know, telling people what salary you make and what you aspire to. Yeah. But certainly if you build relationships, then you get allies yes. in the process. And so took that right into Ferguson, and that's really, uh, you know, how we got it done. Now, of course, you know, there was resistance. There were people who, you know, I was the first black man to ever be chief there. Uh, they had had an interim chief uh, for a couple of months, uh, Andre Anderson, very, very good guy, uh, also black. But I'm really the first black man they've seen in that role in a place where that's not what they're accustomed to. So I knew that there would be challenges there. And, you know, I had one police officer even tell me, I just don't see myself working for a black man. And, and you know what? After that conversation, he didn't. Um, See you later. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the door's right there. Yeah, yeah. But, but, you know, I knew those challenges would be there. But part of it was, was the introduction. And the second part of it was, you know, I kind of put together a plan, and I put it in my head and said, this is the prize. Kind of like looking at that paycheck. This yeah. is the prize. I don't know what road we're going to take to get there, but I know this is the goal. Yeah. When you know the goal, you can map out the destination. Absolutely. And that's, that's for everything. Yeah. And that's when you're the most successful is when you have that goal. Exactly. You figure out how to exactly. get there. So, so, and you just touched on it just briefly, but winning, uh, winning, you know, or not winning, but getting to know uh, your residents mm-hmm. in the community is, is one, a hurdle. And then yeah. turning and looking at what do I, what do I got? What am I working with? And yeah. what's happening here? Yeah. How is that? How is that? What was your, what was your feedback on that? So, the first thing I realized as I started to do an assessment of the department, because you, you, you got to go in and assess. You can't assume. Yeah. The first thing I realized was, one, they were stuck in a way of doing things because it's the, it was just the way that it, it's always been done. What happened in Ferguson was the world changed around it, and Ferguson changed around the governmental structure. You went from a city that was 99% white, um, Everyone had jobs around, around um, uh, automobile manufacturing uh, to that changing and going away. And suddenly the city now is 70% black. Most of those blacks now who live there are renters. Because in Ferguson, it's not just black and white. It's renters versus owners, yes. uh, youth versus old. Mm-hmm. It, you know, it's a host of things. And in, Saint, in the whole St. Louis region, uh, they make a lot of determinations about you based on the high school you attended. I went to Miami High, so I was, I was good. Hey, hey. <laughs> <laughs> to Miami but, High. you know, you, you go in and you, and you make assessments. And I realized that it wasn't so much that everyone was th- – there were some people who were outright 
uh, either racist or just grumpy or curmudgeon, whatever. But then there were some people who just didn't know better. And that was kind of, those were the people we wanted to work with because I I could help you, you see a better way. And it went from we're afraid of the chief, we don't know who the chief is, to, hey, the chief's actually pretty cool. He's, he's very specific about what he wants, and he wants it done that way. Can but ask, we can make that adjustment. Can I ask, was there, because I know you came in as a chief, was there any officers that applied from out, out of state or do you know or out of town that were, they were like, man, I want to try to make a difference, even if it's at the officer level? Well, that happened later. Yeah. Um, and, and, and in large part, we went from, so when Ferguson happens, the, the average tenure of a police officer there was about 25 years. So it wasn't a police department that was accustomed to, to turnover, yeah, and it wasn't right. where people left. They, they liked working there. They liked their job. In the aftermath of the unrest, a number of things happened. You had officers who their bank accounts were hacked, uh, uh, their homes were, were trashed, uh, you know, and some, some guys left because if they didn't leave, their families, yeah. uh, you know, we're, we're going to have a problem. Yeah. So, that, so you, you, you had that. Then you had other people who were like, you know what, 100 days of rioting, 100 days of civil unrest. You know, even in Miami, we had much more damage, much more um, an, an in, intense uh, situation. 17 people dead in the 80 riots, uh, a few hundred million dollars in property damage, all those things. But they went on for 100 days or more. Yeah. Um, and so you had guys who were also tired. And then you had guys who they weren't going to work for the new chief, and that was fine. Um, so there were a lot of things happening that, that, that made change. It actually worked out, though, because I got to hire the lion's share of the department. And at, the more I went on television, the more I went to community meetings, the more I started to look around in the community, the more I found police officers who had not been given the opportunity. We, we built a playground. We did a community-built playground, and we brought in uh, volunteers to do this. And this was like a community-building thing. Right. I had police officers from St. Louis City come and volunteer their time in Ferguson. Oh, wow. And so I had a conversation. If you're volunteering in Ferguson, why, why aren't you working for Ferguson? And a lot of the black officers said, you know, that was never an opportunity for us. You know, you weren't, you're not from here, chief, but that was never an opportunity for them. I ended up hiring most of those guys who came in to volunteer. Nice. So. Because they were, were they local or were they, like, were local. Had they grown up in the area? They were they local. So St. Louis, St. Louis. St. Louis County uh, has about 92 municipalities. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a lot. That's a lot. Because you look at Miami, what is it, 37? Yeah. Uh, 35, 37? Howard's like 32. I'm not. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It, it was tw- it, when yeah. I started, it was 27, but then new departments came on Pinecrest yeah, right. and all these others. Yeah. But they had all these municipalities. You had Beverly Hills, who had probably nine police officers. You had Calverton Park, which is right down the street, that probably had the, the chief worked the afternoon shift in patrol. Put it that way. That's how small they were. Yeah. I think. Is under seven square miles was Ferguson? 6.2. 6.2 square miles. 6.2, 23,000 people. And, uh, and, and what we were talking about in, in the conference, they were presented on Ferguson, yeah. and people were getting, uh, they had an out headlight, right? they would leave work, and their work is five, six miles, uh, or ten miles away. They would get tickets through each. If you drove up, um, oh, God, I can't think of the street. If you drove across Hereford, you're going to pass within four, within three miles. You're going to go through about six jurisdictions. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And if you've got a broken headlight, yeah. uh, you're going to be stopped in every single jurisdiction. Yeah. But then one of the things they did in Ferguson that I put a stop to immediately was stacking. Yeah. 
you know, you stop a guy and not having your registration in your car is a violation of more than one statute mm -hmm. in Missouri. So instead of writing you f for not having it, the one of the statutes, pick a statute. Yeah. They wrote you for all three. Oh. And then the issue was, so I had the jails and municipal courts right there in my building. You miss a payment. It doubles. It triples. As a matter of fact, if you read the Ferguson report, there's a lady who got a, a $40 ticket who ended up spending over $512,000. Oh, my I'm not, God. I'm, not, I'm sorry. I'm I was going to say. I'm sorry. $512, not oh. $1,000. Oh, I was going to say. I'm thinking about money. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. uh, over yeah. $512, and she still had another $200 to pay for that, that one ticket because wow. of not being able to, to meet it. So you start to realize that a lot of people are poor yeah. and can't make these deadlines, and they're stuck. Yeah. And that doesn't create a good working relationship with the police department because these are your citizens that you're, you're, you're writing. Yeah, and you're tagging them. Yeah, yeah. And I also started to realize something as I did rides with patrol because I'd, you know, I'd have you come and pick me up and instead of being in the white shirt. I'd be in the light blue shirt mm -hmm. with the silver badge as a one of the police officers. I'd ride with you two man that day. Yeah. I, I also started to realize something when white Ferguson residents got stopped and they got a ticket. This, what are you doing? Mm. I'm Ferguson. Yeah. So I'm Ferguson had a, a, a different meaning. Yeah. So you realized also that it was the poor uh, stuff, um, residents who were bearing the burden of a lot of a lot of the issues. And they realized that there was inequity in the treatment. So that was a problem. Think it's racial or you think uh, the, uh, tax like money to it's, get out it's, from it, the ticket? It, it's racial, but it's racial because of where your standing is. And, and so I'm, what I'm not I'm not saying I'm not suggesting that the police officers are racist. Right. What I'm saying was that if you are not in the if you are not predisposed to a power structure, if you're not predisposed to being a member of that that power class, right. then you can't get in. And so you bear the burden of, of whatever the issue is. And so the older Ferguson residents who said, I'm Ferguson, yeah. they were long established Ferguson families who had always been there. Uh, I got you. And everybody else was fair game because you're not Ferguson. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, travelers, visitors, or just no, like you said, yeah. renters, yeah. people that yeah. came from other cities. I'm gen I, I grew up here, I'm generational. These other people yeah. came in, yeah. uh, handle them. Yeah, yeah I, I, get, and, I get it. Yeah, yeah. To a large degree, those tax, people came tax in. them, they'll leave, and then we can keep yeah. in our prosperity yeah. of our mind and what we think it is. Yeah, but yeah, Very going interesting with that stuff. We'll, yeah, we're gonna take a short break. Okay. We're gonna get back to it. Okay. All right. Be right back. Be right back. All right. Hey, what's up, Podcast Land? It's Justin here. Thank you so much. You guys have shown up big time over at blackoutcoffee.com. You've used your codes. You're helping out the show. Blackout Coffee has offered us a new code. It's DSP20. It'll now get you 20% when you re-up that bag of coffee that you just finished the other day. So hit it up, DSP20. You can find that link over on our page, donutshoppodcast.com, or you can just go straight to blackoutcoffee.com. And use DSP20 to get 20% off. Thanks a lot. Back to the show. And we're back. And we're back. You beat <laughs> me to it. All right. Uh, we were talking about um, Ferguson and some of the challenges you mm -hmm. had, both internally and going out into the community and figuring stuff out. At one point, we mentioned how we had some, you hired some people from outside mm -hmm. of the uh, municipality, city. Uh, is it the city? Or is it's it, a city. It's a city, yeah. So it's outside the city come in. You came in from outside the city, yeah. right? Um, 
with the intentions of, of change and doing good and, and saying, man, I think I can h- I help, help out. Then um, 100 days of protest. Yeah. I could imagine that there was some outside influence from not in the city. Um, and just like uh, George Floyd, the George Floyd case, yeah. that area where it happened is almost like a tourist destination now where people go and visit. They pay mm-hmm. their respects. Was Ferguson like that? And did you have outside influence to uh, any resistance from the outside? Well, so what happened, basically what happened with Ferguson is everything that Ferguson was accused of was regional policing. Mm-hmm. So Ferguson was just like the guy caught holding the dice. Every other police department was doing the same things. Right. Uh, probably much more egregious than, than, than Ferguson actually was. Um, you did have, have outside influence with regard to a lot of the unrest because, again, it was fueled by social media. So people came from all over the place. Mm-hmm. You look at a person like uh, Delroy McKitchens, who came from Baltimore, I think, and he was in Ferguson. So Ferguson became the, the center of the movement. As a, as a matter of fact, while Black Lives Matter was born out of Trayvon Martin, right. it got it, the wings in Ferguson uh, because that became you know, the, the epicenter of everything uh, that was going on in the nation. Uh, but when you peel back the layer of all that, you've got all of this influence from, from outside and all of these arguments outside, and Ferguson had some real hometown problems. And so there, was, there became kind of a, a dynamic, even in the protest community, of we're talking about our lives, you're talking about theory yeah. uh, and how that happened. Uh, so by the time I got there in 2014, a lot of the outside influence had died down, and Ferguson became more of a story than what was actually happening in Ferguson. So right. it just, just a real narrative and, a, and another narrative. Right. Uh, that kind of thing happened. Now, with regard to the police officers that I hired from outside, I hired police officers from outside, but all of them were from the region. A lot of them grew up right in Ferguson, but they were out, and they still lived in Ferguson. The reason they were police officers in other places was because in the background process in Ferguson, blacks got disqualified a lot more than whites, even if they were more qualified. Uh, Because as I did the audit and went back and did the review, a lot of guys who got disqualified, I went back and uh, offered them an opportunity to go through the process again. And that's how I was able to get uh, hire so many. Yeah. Some of the guys who had actually gotten on, when I looked at their files, I probably never would have hired them. So you, you, you had that dynamic. So one of the things you have to look at is the poison pill in the system, not so much the system itself, but individuals in the system who th- have a perception and they hire people who look and think like them, and they overlook things about them because he's like me. Yeah. Mm. So you had that happen. You must be right. Um, so, and that's one of the reasons we were able to, we were able to increase the, the standards, you know, the polygraphs, the, the psychological testing. Uh, we were able to increase the standards, but yet we were able to, able to hire at a faster pace and become much more diverse. By the time, when I started with Ferguson, we had three black officers. We had three female officers. By the time I left, we were about 50% black. And in a, re, in a city, that's 70% black. Yeah. And we were about a third female. Uh, so when you when you leveled the playing field, yeah, you actually got a much more diverse pool of people. Did um, did a lot of the the people that were there did they leave or did your budget increase due to grants? No, and other a lot things? of pe- a lot of people left. Again, rem- the average tenure was twenty five years. Right, and a lot of people left for a host of reasons. Some left because they decided to leave. Some left because I invited them to leave. Oh, nice. Um, but. You know, people left. <laughs> okay, one way or another, they yeah, left. Yeah, and so for me, 
that was a good thing because I almost got an opportunity to rebuild it where, you know, you, you know, it takes about five years to change the culture of a police department. So it's a long, hard slog. Yeah. But when they're moving away at that pace and you're, you're feeling at a pace, you can do it that much more quickly. Mm. Yeah. And, and to go back, and it's not like I was saying you're, you're hiring outside. When you were, you were outside. You're from Miami. I was outside. Yeah, you're outside. Nickname was East Coast. <laughs> but outside could be just going through that story with one headlight. You're getting five tickets in a three-mile radi- yeah. three uh, road. Uh, outside could be, you know, 500 feet. In, right. a, in yeah. any direction. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. And most of it was, uh, most of that was down uh, West Florissant, which is a main thoroughfare that moves in less than, less than four miles. You move through uh, County, Jennings, Ferguson, Delwood, Ferguson again, Delwood again, wow. uh, uh, Calverton Park, and so on. And the, and the stories are true. People would get multiple yeah. tickets yeah. Yeah. from different agencies. Multiple tickets from different agencies, and that, and I mean, if that's true, that's happening. Uh, you know, put it this way: when lot. I when I stop the stacking, mm-hmm. just one policy change. Uh, if you're going to write more than three tickets, you need to contact a supervisor and ju- justify it. If you're going to write more than three tickets on a traffic stop, yeah. we noticed a two point six million dollar revenue fall. Yeah, that one policy lost the city 2.6 million dollars in traffic fines wow i mean if you're looking at a, a smaller municipality yeah. they have to get their money from somewhere and if it's small there's only so many residents they can tax so how else are you going to be pulling money to fund all this stuff right. but the irony of it is is that there's a law in missouri that you can't from fines and penalties there's only a certain percentage of your budget you can get yeah all of those departments ferguson wasn't even egregious uh, Ferguson, I think it was like 6% or something, like 6 or 7%. Ferguson was at like uh, 15, 20. Other departments were 30, 40%. Yeah. So, like I said, wow. Ferguson was a guy caught holding the dice, but what was happening yeah. there was in the region. But the irony of that is, is as we started to have successes in Ferguson, other agencies started to kind of follow suit with what was happening. So, being that it's not humongous, mm-hmm. right? You are taking on some of the problems that persist in or that are, are uh, exist in other agencies yeah. that surround you, right? Yeah. So how is that working with other chiefs? Were they the you know forty year uh, veteran chiefs? Oh, a lot of them were. So yeah. how how was that well, working? Well, so what what started to happen is you, you you one we started having successes in Ferguson. Ferguson started actually getting heralded for the good work that was starting to happen there. We started having a better relationship with the community. But there were other reasons to protest, and there were protests in, in other areas. And what would happen is something happens in St. Louis, and you kind of protest in every city. It got to the point where the protesters came, said hi to the chief, and kind of hung out in Ferguson. Yeah. But they were destructive in other places. So other chiefs actually started saying, what, what is it you're doing? Yeah. And that, you know, success, you know, success has a thousand fathers while failure is an orphan. Yeah. And that's kind of what happened. The success started to make it work. Nice. So, and that was, that's all just like, I, I've seen this recipe before. Mm-hmm. Um, let me see if this works here. I believe it should work here. If it worked on this large scale, why not? Yeah. I, I can apply the same things. Yeah. And, and you know, so even Miami, yeah. as big as we are in terms of a department, when you look at the commanders, each commander is really responsible for a neighborhood. Yeah. And he's like an area chief. Yep. So he's like equivalent to the Ferguson chief when you start to talk about the population that he's over. Yeah. So that's kind of what I felt like. I felt like the city's commander. 
Nice. So you go over there, uh, you implement some some things that you believe that are going to work, some mm-hmm. strategies. Uh, you start changing some minds of the the residents. Yes. Mm-hmm. yes. So they were they turned around. That you saw that yeah. what you were expecting. Put it this way: the day I got there, they protested. Yeah. They protested the day I arrived. By the time I left, a lot of those people who protested, one, didn't want me to leave. Yeah. And two, they still call me now. Uh, just yesterday was my birthday. And yeah, my birthday. Ferguson, thank you. Ferguson residents were calling. More than people in Miami, and I spent most of my life here. Yeah. Big impact. Yeah. But you know what it was? Uh, it really was about, you know, you know, they call community policing paper cop, you know, and, and yeah. all this other stuff. But the truth is, is that you build relationships and it helps. As a homicide detective, yeah. if you can't talk to people, you're not going to get witnesses for your cases. So you're not going to solve anything. Yeah. I don't care how yeah. much technology you've got. It's true. It's about relationships. You yeah. know, I always think back to one day, I you know, stopped this guy. and His arms look like tree trunks and he's decided he's not going. Yeah. And it's a minute before my backup can come. But the community knew me. And said, no, no, we'll help you. <laughs> and that's how he ended up in my car. <laughs> hey. So, you know, you, you, you got to think about what you're, what you're doing as you do this job. Your, your job is to help. And if you build relationships, those people will come to help you when you need it. And that's what happened in Ferguson. Awesome. So yeah. uh, we're going to take a short break. Yeah. And when we come back, I want to talk about today's 2020 climate. Mm-hmm. What's going on? Uh, any considerations maybe that you had seeing everything that's going on you just weigh in a little bit on how agencies are dealing with things Mm -hmm. and again i go back to the south florida bubble and i guess before i got there i was two uh when you were (laughs) but think uh, we had our growing uh pains too and we didn't get to where we uh, where we got just by a fluke it was a transition uh however i'm there after you know the transition maybe a little bit early but for sure now i'm just like man south florida I don't see none of this stuff going on. What, yeah. what is, but then you go over to Ferguson, the 40-year yeah. guy that was maybe that small towns. That's still there's still Fergusons out there. Yeah. I, I believe it's still Fergusons out. There's there. still Fergusons in South Florida. You think so? Yeah. Oh, I, well, that's coming from. <laughs> he's got more more in 411 <laughs> more than me. Shout, Sorry to burst your <laughs> South Florida bubble, Nick. Boom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we'll we're gonna come back and then have you weigh in on some stuff. Okay, Chief. What's up, Podcast Land? It's Justin here. Thank you very much for streaming and listening to these podcasts over on all the podcast apps. We really appreciate it. For those of you that may be listening on Apple Podcasts, if you can, go out to the front of it and throw some stars up for the donut shop and uh, maybe even write a review. We appreciate it. Uh, We love doing this, and we're going to have a lot more great shows coming up for you in the future. Now, back to the podcast. And we're back. Hey, we're back. I was thinking about it uh, on the break. How many officers does uh, Ferguson have? Uh, Ferguson's budgeted for 50, 58. Okay. Uh, where they are now, I'm not sure. By the time I left, we were at 50. Okay. Yeah. You just mentioned you left. Segway. Yeah. So you decided coming back home, my job is done, or this is set of course. I, I got a machine going here. <laughs> I'm good. I feel as though the community's good. Time to head home. Yeah. Well, I came home because my uh, my mom got ill. Okay. And what a lot of people didn't know is uh, I had lost some other relatives uh, to illness going in to Ferguson. So when she got sick, I wanted to be here to take yeah. care of her. So I decided to come home. Okay. And I thought I was going to be retired, but that retirement is nice. 
but when you're the only one not going to work, it gets a little boring. Yeah, so yeah. that's how I ended up at FIU. So I was going to say, Golden Panthers, right? Yeah, Golden Panthers. Rawr, don't they do that? There you go. There you go. There you go. <laughs> the, the pause. Uh, so you're, you're a captain at Golden I'm Panthers, FIU, Florida yes. International University. Yes. Yeah. So, so is it awkward sitting by the, the chief? Is that <laughs> some people it, still it, address it, you as chief? It, it's only awkward when people come and address me as chief yeah. because he's the chief. Yeah. But you know the the old the old adage is once a chief always a chief. So yes. people still refer to me as chief. Yeah, I still call you chief. Yeah. Right. yeah. I appreciate you here, chief. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. The only place I'm not called chief is at home. Is yeah. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you 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 come back home. Um, you're home now. How are you looking back at you? You still in contact with uh, Ferguson PD? Yeah, pretty regular. Yeah. Um, as a matter of fact, uh, several of the officers have come to visit me and hang out in South Florida. I don't know if it's because they like me or yeah. our weather. South Florida. Um, yeah. uh, but I get a call just about every day from someone there. Uh, even the mayor uh, just called me two days ago uh, to have a, f- a conversation. And uh, so I'm still in contact with people there. And, and, and after COVID, I plan to go back and visit. All right. So... You just mentioned your, it's in your blood. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And retirement can get boring. Yeah. yeah? So you, you're back. Looking at everything that's going on, it's almost like a deja vu, but times 10, because it's, it's all over uh, yeah. the nation, where you have chiefs uh, resigning. Yes. All over the place, for one reason or another. Yes. Uh, either political or some things that are happening, whatever. They're resigning. Do you have that similar, I mean, you did it. Mm-hmm. You did it once. You have that similar thought process. Any time it come in your head, they say, "Hey," uh, and then you're at, you're at the meeting in FIU, and like, "Hey, can you believe they're hiring? Who wants that job?" <laughs> <laughs> well, here we go again. Deja um, vu for sure. It's not outside of the realm of possibilities. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just like Ferguson, I never thought I'd apply for a police chief's job. I kind of move when something feels right. Right. Uh, and that Ferguson applying for Ferguson seemed more mission like mm-hmm. than it did. Wh- something I actually wanted to do. I was looking forward to retirement. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I know you remember, I used to have that countdown. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, but it, it, it's kind of one of those things, you know, I, I think the nature of a policeman is when duty calls, you go. Yes. And Ferguson seemed like duty calling. And that may happen again. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say that I won't uh, take another job because, you know, then I take one and that, you know, I got you know, to eat those words. So, yeah, yeah cause we'll, we'll post it. Yeah. yeah, we'll post it for sure. What? <laughs> he said we'll, no. we'll see what the future holds. Okay. So, uh, with all that being said, any phone calls lately? Like, hey, uh, what you doing? Well, I've gotten, uh, since I've been back in South Florida, yeah. uh, I've gotten six offers uh, to be either chief or assistant chief in other places. Local or across the nation? Across the nation. Oh. Um, uh, one local, uh, mm-hmm. mostly uh, across the nation. Yeah. Uh, but be- since I became Ferguson police chief, I've had 18 offers. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I think it, it's good to be wanted. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's good. <laughs> that's good. Yeah. We could be talking to a future chief chief. How, does it, how, do, you, how do you go off <laughs> for chief chief? Two-time chief? Two-time chief. Two-time chief. <laughs> like being a wrestler? You, like, got the, you have I, the rings. I, I know a few. Yeah. I know a few. Yeah. yeah. So uh, we, got a lot, we got a lot of stuff going on now. 2020. 2020 is a, a bitch. Yeah. I, I, I say you, you don't have to say a chief. A I'll bear. Yeah. <laughs> uh, within law enforcement, you got COVID, law enforcement, but there's, it's, just been, it's just been a storm. Yeah. Um, where do you think because you've seen 
19 I keep saying it I don't want to keep throwing you out there but 1984 you've seen seen some growth yeah where do you think we have come from to where we need to go to where we're at right now how far on that line do you think we are yeah so we look at today and I think the storm you're in always seems worse than the storms you've been through yeah but you know I, I go back to the 1980s you you know, go to 60 second, 61st Street and 13th Avenue, and the police officers took on rocks and bottles uh, when they when they came in. Yeah. You get that on occasion now, but mostly it's it's a wayward tweet mm-hmm. is what you're going to get. And 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 so while we think it's worse now, there's been a lot of progress uh, over the years. You yeah. know, you look at uh, police chiefs around the country; it's much more diverse pool of people, much more people at the table with with ideas, and that's really what you need: representation of ideas. Because if I'm only if you know, I used to say in Ferguson, if I'm the only one thinking, I'm giving away too many paychecks. Yeah, because my idea is not always yeah the best idea. Yeah. So you want uh, you want that. But that's what's happening in police work. I think we're seeing many more people at the table with a, a wider range of ideas, people much smarter than myself, uh, making good, good, solid decisions. And as a result of that, I think we've come a long way. Now, that doesn't say that we've reached the promised destination, but I think, right. you know, the founding of America is always looking for a more perfect union. Yeah. Uh, you know, we just got to keep working at it. Now, when we start to talk about, uh, you know, Ferguson, we say, you know, it happened in that city. It doesn't happen in our city. Well, one of the things that happens is the social media informs what happens in your city. Yeah. So if it happens in Ferguson, they don't say the Ferguson police. They say the police. The police. Absolutely. If it happens in Baltimore, they say the police. Absolutely. But I think all communities have that neighborhood that feels it's underserved, uh, that's probably underserved. And that's where you've got to do the most work because that's a place that's a powder keg. Uh, we can't ever get too comfortable in thinking that we've gotten there. We've got to work at it day in and day out. And that's why building community trust, building community legitimacy is, is, is critical. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, think about it. Every day we go about enforcing the law and we go about managing to police a place. But the day that civil unrest breaks, suddenly it's chaotic, no matter how prepared that police department is. Yeah. Because it's outside of the norm. Yes, you got to work every day so that when you have those anomalous situations, you can go in with relationships and put those fires out. If the first time they see you is when you're coming to put those fires out, mm-hmm. there's no trust, and you're not going to get any help. Yeah. Almost so. like uh, put, uh, saving in a savings account Yeah, yeah. for that mm-hmm. one day that you need it, and you say, wait, I didn't, I didn't deposit just today. Yeah, I've, I've been, been depositing. Deposit- yeah. Over the years, and I'm here to cash out. Exactly. You know, you guys, you guys seen us. Exactly. You know, yeah, us. I, want, I want to make a withdrawal. Yeah. yeah, yeah. This is uh, this is an isolated you know, event. We're working to get better. You know us. You know. You, you, do you remember Major Art Washington? No. Okay. Before, sorry, sir. <laughs> <laughs> well, during, during, during the during the riots uh, in Miami, I don't remember which ones, but he's coming out of the station and he's getting ready to go somewhere. Like, where, where are you going? He says, "I'm going to 17th Avenue and 62nd Street." So, well, no, no. And then you, you, major, you can't go there. Things are burning. He said, that's why I need to be there. Masterfully, that guy stood in the middle of the intersection and held court, talking to people. Yeah. And they listened. Because mm. they knew him. Yeah. And I'm saying, man, this, this has got to be the most powerful guy in the world. Yeah. Because I had not had the opportunity to witness all the work he put in before that moment. Yeah. We got to put in work before the moment. 
So, so get out of the car. Get out of the car. And, and, and let's say there's some agencies that are listening that they don't have, maybe they're not at that uh, community police you know, uh, section where they have that yet. So talking to the street cop. What are we, what's some look, advice we can give to the guy who's like, man, I wish my department had the PAL and all that yeah. stuff. Look, right. the PAL and all that stuff are, are, are great. Yeah. But community policing starts with you yeah. as a patrol officer. It's the patrol officer that sparks these things that happen. It's not the police chief, even though he gets fired. Yeah. It's that guy on the midnight shift yeah. who's not able to talk to people because he doesn't talk to people. And God forbid, I see these guys now. You go buy a police car, and this is what you see. That's no, yeah, that's yeah. nowadays. Get out in the world. Get out. Have a cup of coffee. Talk to people. Because later on, they're going to help you solve crime. They're going to warn you of things that happen. But they're also going to be your allies when things go bad. Every city gets their moment in the sun, whether that be good or bad. Yeah. When Miami happened in 1980, they never saw that coming. Yeah. We thought we were fine. In Ferguson, they thought they were fine. In Baltimore, they thought they were fine. So we, we've got to remember, we've got to build those relationships, and community relations starts with every single encounter. You think um, they just weren't intertwined with their community, <laughs> that they were so disconnected? Like, oh, I, thought, I thought I was good. Because yeah. I, I want to I tell you that I, 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 you know, if it says I got caught my pants down, I guess I got caught my pants down recently. Yeah. But then there was some intel saying that these, some of these agitators were from outside. Well, and so, it was so weird to me. I want to say this about um, I want to say this about because there's another side because we we always talk about it from the police side. Yeah, there are people that I know in the city who get paid. They have nonprofit organizations, and their job is in the strife. So if things are calm, they're not making any money. Right. You're always going to have those people who take advantage of that opportunity you're always going to have those outside people who come in and influence the situation yeah but if you build a good relationship with your community think back to the ftaa when some of those guys decided to run down and the community said no you're yeah. not coming here yeah um you got to build it at home that way when outside people come in they don't have the influence of allies that they have right. that you don't have yeah yeah, there might be a flare-up real quick yeah. of the outside. But then, you can quickly. And then, the, and then the people that are there, that community, yeah, can yeah. put out that fire yeah. with you. Yeah, yeah. That's exactly. what, I mean, that's what happened recently, and, and that's exactly what it was. Mm -hmm. It was just an overwhelming cause social media. Yeah. So you got people that don't live in the city but local, you know, in the same yeah. area code, they, but they're coming in. Yeah. You know why? Because it's on social media, and I want to go, and it's, there, you know, it's the right thing to do, yeah. and we, we do want justice for what happened over there, so we're going to express ourselves here. However, you had those bad apples come in, plug in. Then some people in the city were like, no, 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 we don't, we don't, we don't play that. Burning police cars. No, 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 no. no. Don't do We've that. come too far. Yeah. You need to take that shit yeah. elsewhere. Yeah. So. And, 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 and when you have good relationships, they remind people that the police cars that you're burning, we pay for. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Just got to replace that. Yeah. So I think we got word to where the, the future, what's the future and so you, you, you staying put, you're good where you're at now, I, or do we see... I'm good where I am now. Uh, jazz I, I'm lo loving, loving FIU. Yeah. Uh, it, it, actually, one of the things I've had the privilege to do at FIU is we started working on... I got tapped along with uh, El Pane Hudson and Dr. Valerie Patterson to work on an equity action initiative. So in the, in the aftermath of George Floyd, uh, the president, Mark Rosenberg, came and said, I want to look at FIU, and I want to look at it widely. 
and I want to look at issues of systemic racism. I want to look at where we can improve all those things. And just basically lay it bare. You got you guys got thirty days to put together a report. And this is within the university, <laughs> this and is not within, just within the, the university. Police, yeah. Now, mind you, FIU has sixty thousand students, yeah. so FIU is bigger than most cities. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so in 30 days, uh, we started and we consulted widely, talked to the community, people who do business with FIU, alumni, students, faculty, all over. And in 30 days, we asked for a 20-day extension. <laughs> and at the end of 20 days, we put together a 206-page report. Mm-hmm. And uh, with some pretty prescriptive things, things that are actionable. Uh, so that was actually a good opportunity to kind of do uh, – you know, I still kept my day job doing the doing police work and yeah. working with some really good guys yeah. uh, and and gals. Yeah. Uh, but I also got to work on that equity action initiative, which is interesting because other agencies have now picked up on uh, that report and they're looking at themselves. And the you know, while George Floyd was a bad situation, um, one of the things that we do in every situation is we find ways to grow. And so everybody started to kind of examine themselves. Yeah. And some some good things have come on the tail end of that because yeah. you know the future is that we're constantly evolving and it's like a marriage you know you may have bought flowers on valentine's day and everything else yeah. but you got to work on that relationship constantly you got to continually nurture it or yep. you're going to sleep on the couch mm-hmm. been there <laughs> <laughs> and so i think that's uh that's where the future what the future is i think yeah. we're awake and if we're listening um and having conversations we'll we'll make the improvements that we need to make where Mm-hmm. Can somebody pick your brain? How can they find you? Is there an Instagram, a Facebook, a Twitter? <laughs> How do we find you? They want to pick your brain. Or you do you, you speak at conferences, not only teach PIO, but you talk on your experiences. How do I contact you? Please. Uh, well, please. I, I do all that. Uh, I don't even know what my Instagram is. I think it's... Uh, we can put you up. You can, you Twitter, can put, all that you stuff. You can put it up. I got Twitter. I'll Google uh, you. Twitter, Twitter. Yeah. I got two Facebook pages. Hey, uh, Instagram. The Delrish L. Moss. Oh, yeah, you come up on Wikipedia. You got a Wikipedia? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I got a Wikipedia. Man, all right. Gee, that's hey, what I'm talking that about. Guy. Yeah, but uh, uh, my Facebook page, uh, Delrish L. Moss, is the, uh, is the public-facing one. Okay. Uh, I see it. Uh, uh, Twitter and, and Instagram. Nice. Yeah. So. Uh, LinkedIn. <laughs> hey, 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 anything else? Anything else we got? No, but, uh, sir, thank you so much for coming on. I'm telling you, from the day I met you to today to when I sent you that text, and I'm like, I don't know if he's going to say yeah, it. He's do like, you remember me? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, had Dude, to, I had to send him the breakdancing video. For a minute, I thought that was a swipe at my age. Yeah. Oh, that's, that was foul. To, to, <laughs> to today sitting here, man, and, and thank you so much. I shot you the text, you know, yeah. shoot your shot, they say. He's like, yeah, whatever you need. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's good. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Justin, I sent, I sent a screenshot. Hey, Justin, we're getting Delridge Moss. He's like, no way. So, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Did you just go skydiving? <laughs> I went skydiving for my 50th birthday, so that picture is a little dated. But, oh, okay. Uh, I'm on his IG. Oh, part okay. part of the reason I posted that is is for a friend who was talking about it, and, and I'm telling him, eh, you don't have the guts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Look at me. Look How at was me. that? How was that? Oh, it was great. Probably one of the most exhilarating things I've ever done in my life. Um, what got you up there? I turned 50. Oh, okay. Bucket list type <laughs> it, of thing? It was either a sports car uh-huh. or jump out of a plane. Hey. Uh, jumping out of a plane was cheaper. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The sports car, the, sports car, the money yeah. cost last year a lot longer. <laughs> but, yeah, no, it was one. Look, it 
probably one of the most freeing feelings I've ever felt in my life because it's like, look, it's, it's, it's you uh, up here and enjoy this. Hope the landing goes well because yeah. that's, the, that's, the, yeah. that's the most important part. But it was, it was actually uh, really exhilarating. It, it, it was great. As, as a matter of fact, when I got landed, I wanted to go back up. Oh, yeah. my God. <laughs> Two years ago, I did the, the iFly thing that's not far down here. I so did that a couple weeks ago. The fake one that's, you know, that's yeah. on the ground. but. Yeah. It, it feels amazing, and that's what one of the, yeah. the notions that I guess with skydiving that you don't realize, because when you watch it on camera, you see the cameraman continue falling, so it looks like you're getting jerked up with the parachute, yeah, but, it's, but a it's really not It's the, a glide. It's yeah. uh, as a matter of fact, at one point, because you know, you tandem, so there's yeah. the guy's attached to you, and I said, oh, man, look at that, while, we're, we're, in, while yeah. we're coming down, oh, look at that rainbow. He said, you want to go through it? I said, yeah. <laughs> you want to so go through it? maneuvered, and we went... We went wow. through the rainbow. It, it, it was so cool. And wow. looking down on birds. Yeah. Yeah. That is awesome. Yeah. I don't know. That sounds like a nightmare <laughs> to me. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not a heights dude, you know. Well, I was Let's one do a of those podcast guys. for me. Yeah. Well, well, I started, uh, you know, uh, I repelled for charity for PAL yeah. to raise money for the Police Athletic League. Oh, I want to do and, that. I uh, so that. I started that, and then I started zip lining, yeah. and then it's like it was just a natural progression. Let me do this without the rope. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, forget the rope. Oh my goodness, I can't. I get. I get nervous. I get yeah. stand on top of this table. I look down. I'm like, no, no. Yeah. Yeah. It's something that. It's something that. Okay, if a plane's going down, uh-huh. and like, hey, you're gonna, you want to go down a plane, or are you gonna jump out? Okay, I'll jump out. I'll jump out. Of yeah, speaking of planes going down, it's, why do they give you oxygen when the plane's going down? I don't know. I'd rather pass out. If give you watch me- Fight Club, it's to calm you down. The more oxygen that you have, I mean, this is the movie. No, no you, you, you want to yeah. calm me down? Yeah. Put Demerol in there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> nitrous oxide. Nitrous oxide yeah. is a laughing gas. We're going down, man. <laughs> and I'm happy about it. <laughs> Are you getting the same stuff? <laughs> and I'm happy about it. <laughs> oh, shit. Well, that's funny. Uh, and we're good? Yeah, sure. Yeah, Sir, yeah, uh, it's been an honor to have you sitting there. Awesome. We invite you to come back. That mug is yours for the keeping. Thank you. Thank you. All right. So- calling all units. Calling all units. Donut Shot has a fresh dozen. Go ahead and take a 1040.